broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. From the Summer Skate Studios, behind the mask hockey shops, present College Hockey Southwest Live for March 23rd, 2022. Tonight's scheduled guest, the radio voice of the UMD Bulldogs, Bruce Siski. Behind the Maths, College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, then you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf, let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Two locations in Arizona, six in Colorado. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Metro by T-Mobile. Get 50% off or more when you add a line to a new or existing contract. By Burrito Express. Six East Valley locations for fresh, fast, authentic Mexican food. M-Drive. Natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates. Whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by Drury Inns and Suites. Travel happy again. Book your next day at druryhotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-INN. College Hockey Southwest Live from the Summer Skate Studios presented by Behind the Mask is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Wow, I, I love it. A live read. Welcome in, hockey fans. It is a special edition of the College Hockey Southwest Live podcast. Uh, it is the preview to the NCAA tournament, especially here in the West region in Loveland, Colorado. Scott Strandy with you tonight in Denver, Colorado, Centennial, Colorado, whatever you want to call it. It's Colorado. The sun was shining. Uh, the wind was blowing. Um, it's going to be 70s in a few days. I'm loving that. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul, how are you, and are you ready for NCAA tournament hockey? Well, let's see, 41, 90% chance of rain, 70% chance of rain. Oh, look at this, 100% chance of rain. Oh, tomorrow, look at that, 100% chance of rain. Highs in the low 50s. Oh, yummy, goody, goody. <laughs> don't flood that basement, whatever happens. Just don't flood the basement with all I that rain. my landlord. No, not yet. Not yet. He's still very, very irritable. Don't talk yeah. to him yet. Uh, of course, we're, we're joking, kind of. Uh, Paul's yeah. landlord is uh, is uh, the owner of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Mr. Bill Foley, and he is having a rough, rough hockey season right now. Okay. Um, yeah. where, where, where do we start with this? I spent the day today watching the four teams in the NCAA West Regional Hockey Tournament. It was like right. old home week, Paul. Right, I really? had Denver. I had UMD. 
I had my uh, my friend Norm Bazin, uh, the head coach at uh, UMass Lowell that I haven't seen in about three or four years. And uh, gosh, he, re he remembered me even through my mask. So Norm, c thank you. I appreciate that. Wow, um, that is stunning. <laughs> exactly. Did you show him all your pom-pom picks for your bracket <laughs> for or after he remembered you? <laughs> uh all the teams practiced they got one hour time slots they all uh, met the media which was limited but still there was media there right. um one and hour, uh, that seems well, listen i understand there's time constraints but that does kind of seem a little less than normal right most teams when they have a practice session they're on the ice more than an hour right yeah, well, this is and this is NCAA tournament regulations to keep it all fair. The clock starts, uh, the countdown, and you get one hour, and they chase you off, and they chase you off if you get on early. So uh, it's okay. uh, very NCAA-ish, <laughs> if that's a term I can use. But anyway, they, they went in this order. Minnesota Duluth went out first, followed by Michigan Tech, followed by uh, UMass Lowell, followed by Denver. So Denver finished up last. Uh, they sent out the coach and uh, three or four players, depending on the team's choice. So right. had a chance to uh, to get a little insight, if you will. You don't get a lot because, uh, it, you know, it's, it's the press conference before the national tournament. Nobody wants to give away any secrets. And it's all – translate. Yeah, it, it's all pretty much uh, how do you like Loveland? What do you think about the uh, altitude uh, – uh, Denver, is there any pressure on you playing quote unquote at home 45 minutes from your campus, even though it's not really home? Cause they, <laughs> they've been in there as much as the other uh, teams. Um, anyway, so it, it was a lot of fun to see them on the ice. Uh, I will say the Budweiser event center is dressed for the occasion. It is very well done as you would expect. That's one thing NCAA hockey does. They make it all look uniform. Um, and, and it's good. They have a nice press room and a nice, uh, press work area, which uh, I frequented tomorrow. There'll well, be food, sure which is always that, fun. I, I am sure that they made sure you got your <laughs> usual red carpet. Sometimes the, sometimes you get, they get someone to throw red rose petals at your feet and sometimes they don't. No, but, today, know. Paul, it was, it was all like, yeah, you're just one of the guys. Well, you're nothing special right now. Yeah, so, okay. uh, anyway. Uh, that that's neither here that's neither here nor there. So I, I talked to a gentleman that's been the voice of uh, Bulldog Hockey for 17 years. <clears throat> we we've had several chats on social media, and uh, um, me being a Bulldog alum, uh, and I didn't get a chance to ask Bruce that. So you ask him. You ask him right up front. Are you a, a Bulldog alum? Because he is a diehard uh, Wisconsin uh, sports thing with the Brewers and the Packers and all of that stuff, living uh, in Duluth, which is just, of course, uh, across the, the Big Lake Superior from Wisconsin. Is it? Um, so I think maybe he's got some Wisconsin background, too. But one thing I do know, Paul, he yeah. has been the voice for 17 years, and he's been to several national tournaments. And uh, he's even hoisted the trophy. They, they, there's a picture of Bruce picture. with the trophy. So we'll I've ask him that. about that. We'll ask him if this team is ready to go. And we'll try not to keep him up too late because he does have a 5 a.m. 
a radio show to do in Duluth tomorrow. Really? really? <laughs> uh, so we we don't want to uh, we we don't want to pester Bruce uh, too long, but but hopefully he won't have any connection issues, and uh, we'll be glad to have him on here about top of the hour. So what about uh, twenty three minutes or so? In the meantime, right. let me tell you what I saw again today, which always amazes me, Paul. Every time I go to an event like this where there's three, four teams um, participating, I get out and watch the practices, and I'm always amazed at what each coach does. Uh, and let me tell you what. UMD came out. The first 10 minutes, Scott Sandlin and his coaching staff sat on the bench along with the two backup goaltenders. Right. Every player and both uh, goaltenders, the starter, Ryan Fanti, and the backup, um, Mr. Stasekel, uh, were in net. And every player was on the ice, and they were playing shinny hockey for about ten minutes. It was just loosen up, have fun. With uh, yes, I said shinny. I with said goalies? shinny. Yeah, with goalies. That's not shinny then. Um, well, everybody was on the ice, and there were no rules. That's shinny. Uh, <laughs> so they were they were on the ice, moving around, getting loosed up. Then uh, after that ten minutes, the whistle blew. And they started drills, and they worked on the power play and the penalty kill, and they worked on some breakouts and a lot of full-ice stuff. Um, then I watched Michigan Tech, and I see them come out, and they um, they worked a lot on drills and a lot on um, – I didn't see them do anything similar to Shinny yet. I saw them work a lot of drills, do different things, and uh, work on their specialty teams as you would expect this close to a tournament. Then uh, out comes uh, UMass okay. Lowell. Were they sharpening up their wooden stakes? <laughs> there was a whole, there was a whole bench full of those. Paul, it was amazing. Anyway, I'll, 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 listen, <laughs> just trying to prepare them to, for playing Duluth. That's all. <laughs> and then UMass Lowell came out, and uh, they did a lot of individual stuff, especially at the end. I, I got video of uh, one of their players tipping shots in front of the net. And uh, there were guys working in the corner. They were working on face-offs. They were doing a little bit of everything. And then Denver came out, and uh, I didn't see Denver really go up-tempo at all. They were they were divided into two halves of the ice uh, inside the blue lines, and they were working puck possession and penalty kill and power play and everything that you would need um, to, uh, to win a special teams battle is how I'm going to put it. Now maybe there was some time where they were able they, they were able to do some stuff like that, but I didn't see it. So um, I was amazed though about how each one of these four great programs uh, comes in and they all do different things. They all have uh, different plans as what they want to do, and I'm not sure if it's all coaches or if it's the team that you have. Well, listen, um, it, it's just me, and this is just the way I would think. Considering how important special teams are, I, I would probably be working on those all the time if I was a coach. Even if I was only spending, even if I drew out my practice schedule and I wasn't going to work on it big time all practice long, I would still want to practice, especially my penalty kill even if it's just for 10 minutes a day. Yeah, and I think every team does that. I just thought, well, my point being is it seemed like there was different emphasis with each team. Like Denver was obviously spending a lot of time in that area. 
Minnesota Duluth was uh, spending it on tempo and, um, you know, keeping things loose and all the things that, uh, that you do just to be comfortable. Well, at um, this point, that's probably what they're all doing. You know, it's, it's, it's just as you, you probably put your finger on it without thinking you did saying they're just trying to get comfortable. Um, at this point, how much is there really to go over? Even to, even when it comes to scouting the other team, you might, I don't know, you've probably done it already before you got on the plane. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a little of that, and there's some more looking at it, uh, last-minute stuff just to see. Uh, I asked um, three of the coaches, I guess, I didn't get a chance to go to the Michigan Tech when I got hungry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Huskies. Like a typical media person. <laughs> Sorry, Huskies. I didn't mean to leave you out. I just got hungry and there was no time to go other than that. And um, so anyway, I asked the coaches about uh, their approaches uh, this week. And uh, um, UMD, fairly comfortable. They played, uh, you know, in the NCHC. So obviously they played at altitude. It doesn't bother them. Uh, they get ready pretty quickly. They're excited to be in the West Regional. At least that's what the players said. Um, I asked UMass Lowell, uh, Norm Bazin, and and his players. I said, um, you know, how's the adjustment to the altitude? They said, well, we got here yesterday, so we took that out of the equation. We're we're like we're Coloradoans now. It's not yeah. going to bother us, and we're not going to let it bother us, which is what you would expect them to say. Right. Well, um, here's the other. Here's the other thing. Um, you look at uh, the way it broke down um, I mean I guess it's not s so bad as, as I'm just trying to look at the various schedules I mean, it's, it's not like teams it's not like well, U UMass Lowell played last weekend and uh, Michigan Tech uh, hasn't played in two weeks so that might alter what they do a little bit Because there's that time off in between. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. And like I said, I didn't get to see all of them because what ends up happening is they go on the ice for an hour. Then there's a 15-minute uh, cooling off period and ability to change and all those different things. And then they come up the elevator to the press room. So then the press conference goes maybe 15 minutes. Well, by that time, I've already missed 15 minutes of the team that came on after. So it's a really hard thing to do, but I tried to get uh, a little bit uh, of everything so I could uh, see a little That's bit fine. of each team. That's anyway, um, so I was just amazed at what I saw in the practices, the different ways of approaching right. things. Um, I, I don't think I uh, made a friend with David today, David Carl I'm talking about, but I asked him, I said, you know, you said after the uh, frozen face-off loss to Duluth that you learned something. And uh, I said, I'm just curious what it was you learned and if it'll be anything. I was not going to tell you that. <laughs> I, I said, is it anything? I know, but I had to ask the question. Uh, I said, is it, is it going to be anything different for Duluth or will you do something different against the Riverhawks? And he, he told me right away, he said, I'm not going to talk about Duluth because Saturday is way too far away. But oh, I will tell you, uh, we, did, we did do some adjustments um, in advance of playing the uh, Riverhawks 
Okay. Who they will get tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That is uh, more than you should have expected to get, to be honest. Yeah, I know, but you know, I played reporter, and you got to ask the questions. No, and I get it. There was like three or four of us there, and nobody really jumped up except for a couple of us, and uh, they kept coming back to me with the microphone. I'm going, like, come on. <laughs> I didn't wow. even ask for this. Handed That's it to me. That... <laughs> so, so I had to keep throwing questions out there. Um, and, you know, the obvious questions were out there. It was like, what's a one and done? Do you feel pressure? All that stuff. Um Everybody answered it as you would expect. No, it doesn't bother us. We look for this time of year. We cherish this time of year. Um, we're a really close team. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Uh, yeah, somebody from, uh, I can't remember who it was from the Riverhawks, said that he called their team the closest team in NCAA hockey, which I'm sure a lot okay. of teams would debate. But that's an interesting uh, type of uh, response. Well, listen. We've got a lot of minutes to fill here in the next few days, and it's going to be said a lot, so I might as well just make it for the first time tonight anyway. <laughs> this, There's no real dark horses this year. Anybody can win this thing. Um, are there favorites? Of course there are. But I don't see any game where... The difference is so great that it would be a shocking upset. Would AIC beating Michigan be an upset? Of course it would be. Is it that much of an upset? I don't think so. I could be wrong. You know, um, it it's... You know, it's not, uh, you know, this is not the U.S. and the Soviet Union in 1980. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is some of these teams are like when you look at UMD, they are so defensive oriented that, uh, you know, I've used the same thing as I've told you before about. Uh, Scott Sandlin's quote about everybody coming back in the defensive zone. And when they do that, they just limit the chances. And when you got a goaltender as good as Ryan Fanti, um, it, it, unless it's a really high quality shot or deflection or maybe a, a breakaway, you're not going to have a very easy time beating that kid, uh, kid, a young man. Um, so, so there's that style. Then there's a the high-flying style of Denver, which averaged more than four and a half goals a game the entire season. They come at you in waves, um, but they're going to need to to score goals. They didn't score any in the frozen face-off against Duluth, and they're going to have to score against the Riverhawks to get that confidence back, I think, because um, it, you know goal scoring is a touch thing. It's a confidence thing, right? Yeah, well... There's no doubt about that. And the, the ironic thing about this is the team that is the favorite or the top seed has the only uh, starting goalie, you know, or the number one goalie that has a goal against average of over two. And it's not like Cronus is horrible at 2.2. 
but somebody has to have the highest and somebody has to have the lowest. And he has the highest at 2.2. So that just goes to show you how much these teams emphasize defense. You know, uh, Michigan Tech starting goalie Blake Tatella. He's got a 1.91. Uh, Owen Savory for UMass Lowell, 1.89. And Ryan Fanti, uh, you know, at Duluth is 1.87. So, you know, Fanti save percentage, 9.26. You know, Magnus Crona is 0.908. Uh, Owen Savory's is 9.927. And Blake Patella. Point nine one eight. So, you know, uh, uh, I hear what you're saying. A, a, that... slight, a slight amount of defense being played here. Um, and, and that spells and out the style over... of the teams, Paul. Um, well, you know, yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't exactly say 2.20 is uh, 1980s Edmonton style goals against average here. No, and and that's exactly my point. Is is it going to be all defensive that wins? Because a lot of a lot of people think that, and it's proven many many times. Doesn't it always or, in the playoffs? Or can a high scoring team um, get there? Because look at Michigan, look at uh, Minnesota, look at uh, Denver. All three of those teams, um, you would not say are defensive style hockey teams. No. They're multi talented, multi lined, um, offensive players so to me the interesting thing in this tournament is going to be who's going to win out the all defensive style uh is it going to have to be a mix or is it going to be the uh, high-powered offenses because there there's a blunder of all of that in this tournament all 16 teams yeah i mean just the fact that like the denver is one of the high scoring teams and their team goals against, you know, their their starting goalies goals against is two point two. That's half of what they usually score. So, you know that that's an issue, right? I mean, you know that they're going to likely, uh, you know, teams have a tendency to to play to the mean. Um, you know, we talk about. Even teams like Western Michigan, who score a lot of goals, right? Um, they're, you know, Brandon Bussey, his goals against is 2.6. You know, they're also a one seed. So this tournament definitely has a little bit of everything. And there's, I'm, I'm not, I just don't think we're going to be surprised by anything. Now, uh, I, I think be, you're 100% right on that. That could be chalk, too. I mean, um, yeah, do you want to see my brackets? Oh, yes, right. Oh, I already please. Sent them, so. <laughs> please. Anyway, oh, anyway, God. folks, I, I will I, post I, it tonight. I'm waiting for the very last moment so I don't get too much hate mail. Um, anyway, well, just uh, say it's your normal pom pom waving. It's not. Oh, it is no, 100%. no, it is not. Anyway, um, it is, but. Uh, Here's what I think uh, tomorrow. I think if uh, Denver jumps out and they uh, and they get an early lead, look out. I think if Minnesota Duluth gets an early lead by one goal, they'll shut them really? down. Really? Yeah. You're, you're gonna take you're gonna take that leap of faith that if Duluth gets an early lead, 
Well, no, that, I mean that on. that's automatic. But Boy, that is spe- speaking of Duluth, let's uh, let's bring in our special guest, the voice of the Bulldogs, Mr. Bruce Siski is with us. Bruce, you got Scott and Paul with you tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Secondly, that was really going out on a limb. I love that part. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, oh don't gang up on me. I'm oh, a bulldog, remember? Oh, <laughs> Lord. Yeah. Uh, the sun's going to hey, rise I, in the east tomorrow. I, he's he's going to bet on that, too. Hey, I call a spade a spade. That's what I do. Holy <laughs> smoke. I love it. Bruce, before we dig into this, uh, another national tournament for the Bulldogs, um, uh, appearance at least, uh, before we dig into that, tell our guests, our listeners anyway, what you do and how long you've been doing it at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Uh, do I have to say how long I've been doing this? <laughs> no, you don't well, well, you look about 25. So when did you start? Uh, like when you were three, gosh, four years you're, old? <laughs> you're such a good liar. I appreciate that about you. It's great. Um, no, I, uh, I started I, – I mean, I was – when I started this in 2005, I was – 20 uh, math 28 years old when I got this job um, so I'm pushing 45 now this is my 17th season calling the games on a couple different radio stations uh, and I only look 25 if you don't look at my beard because the gray is all over the place uh, Bruce I don't know if you're aware of how old Scott is and how old I am uh, <laughs> you're a kid my you man are. you are a kid <laughs> you're basically still in diapers so I don't want to hear that yeah, it's funny because I when I started it, I was unquestionably the youngest play-by-play guy in the WCHA. I, I don't think it was close. <laughs> now, now I'm not the youngest play-by-play guy in the NCHC. Not only that, but I actually helped mentor one of the guys who's now working in the NCHC. So that's <laughs> I how love this, it. that's how far this thing has come. So. Oh yeah, I I, I totally get it. Uh, you know, when you start uh, as a teacher, when you start getting the children of former students as students uh i, I kind of have that idea yeah and yeah, uh, bruce just imagine. so you know uh paul is a uh phys ed teacher on long island new york so uh that that and he's also an asu alum so before we dig in any farther he wants to know are you a bulldog alum i'm not actually i never attended school there i drove i've driven by it a number of times but uh never <laughs> so did never i and i did attend there, there. <laughs> <laughs> no i uh I bounced around a little bit in my college days and, and I actually, I never finished my degree because nice. I was, I, I was attending UWS across the bridge in Superior, my actual hometown, Superior, Wisconsin. Okay. And I got my, I got my first full-time radio job while I was in college and the coursework, let's just say it started to slip a little bit and I <laughs> might not have ever finished as a result. Ah, uh, <laughs> see, so you actually weren't on the seven year plan like I was. Because I was on it. pace for the seven-year plan. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, I was on pace for it. It's just that I never actually completed the cycle, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, listen, uh, I, I totally understand that. I wouldn't have, like I said, they made me leave. I didn't want to leave. They said, we're sorry. <laughs> You're too old for the dorms, guy. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's start off before we start talking about the team here. We know about you now. Um, on the back of the Bulldog helmets is uh, a circular uh, sticker with the initials TK. You know what I'm talking about. I went oh, yeah. to school at Duluth with Tom Curvers, 
And um, I had a chance to run into him when I was in Scottsdale uh, three, four years ago. And, of course, he passed away from uh, that nasty C word. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just want you to give us a thumbnail of what TK meant to the Bulldogs and why it's so important for them to honor him and, uh, and have that sticker on their helmet. Oh my goodness. A thumbnail. How the heck am I going to fit this in a thumbnail? <laughs> um, well, I, 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 I like, which I think is, that just tells you, right. That, you know, that he, he was, well, he was our first Hobie winner for first, for starters. Um, an iconic player at a point in our program where we didn't have a ton of iconic players, not certainly not to that level. And, you know, he's a guy that's, he stayed around, he stayed loyal. Um, you know, he, Bloomington, Minnesota guy that, that came up and he wanted to be a bulldog and he got to be a bulldog and it was just tremendous what he did in a bulldog uniform. But then seeing him move on the way he did, but stay involved and stay in touch. I think all that stuff means a lot. And I tell people all the time, I, you know, I had limited interactions with Tommy over the years, but my favorites were probably during the 11-12 season when it was, the Bulldogs were coming off their first championship. Tommy was working for the Tampa Bay Lightning at the time. And he was, I think the official title was assistant general manager, whatever it was. He basically followed us around the entire second half of the season that year because they were trying to sign JT Brown as a free agent. And they ended up being able to do that. The Bulldogs season ended with a regional final loss to Boston College that, you know, the Kreider, uh, Goudreau, BC team that went on to win the national championship. And that Tuesday, JT Brown made his decision and signed with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and had a good run there. Of course, went on, played for the Wild and is now the commentator for the Seattle Crack. And you asked JT Brown about Tommy Curvers, and he still speaks lovingly of that man and, and what he's meant to JT in, in his career and, Everything that, that happened to him in pro hockey, he puts a lot of it on Tom Curvers. Yeah, that's uh, that's the same way I feel about him. I, when I was there, um, <laughs> I was there trying to play on a golf scholarship in Duluth, which uh, you know how that goes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. and all those all those great <laughs> hockey players took me under their wing. Uh, uh, Norm McIver, Tom Curvers, uh, Bill Watts, and that whole group. Um, and it was just so refreshing because I've never seen a group of guys that love the game. And when you talk about Norm McIver and Tom Curvers, two uh, def- defensive stalwarts, I guess, uh, that moved on and just continued to give back. And when Tommy was in uh, Arizona with the Coyotes, he was constantly giving back to the youth community and, and was a huge part of uh, watching the uh, junior Coyotes program go. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, he, he sadly missed, uh, I'm glad that, that UMD did what they did as far as having his wife and kids up there and thought that was really cool. And the Minnesota wild, of course, did the same thing. And, uh, when you have guys like that, you just, uh, got to cherish your time with them for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. It just, uh, to happen way too soon. I remember talking to Mike Surtich, his college coach the week after Tommy passed and, Boy, it just it, it felt so sudden, and it, it was one of those things. I saw Tom for the last time. Uh, it would have been the weekend before everything got shut down in 2020. They were uh, St. Cloud State was playing UMV. I saw Tommy downstairs by Sandalin's office, and we chatted a little bit. And, and you could tell that it was it was beating him up pretty good. But he still wanted to do his job with the Wild, and he was up there watching players. And of course, not long after uh, 
you know, Tommy was gone. You, you still see the impact. A guy like Mick Sweeney making with the wild, a guy that Tom Kerber's watched play quite a bit when Nick was at UMD. So uh, Tommy's legacy is going to live on forever as it should. Well, I wanted to jump in and get that out of the way first. I had a chance to watch the Bulldogs, obviously, like you did at the frozen faceoff. And goodness gracious, if that wasn't Bulldog hockey at its finest, uh, I don't know what was. I did not expect uh, to them for them to not allow a goal. Uh, what were your thoughts? I thought that they were they were committed. Uh, and, and let's start with Friday because to me they're different games. I know the result was the same. But they're different games because of the adversaries. And this is not a disrespect to Western Michigan. But I, I think Denver is, if they're not the best team in the country, they're in the team picture, right? And right. The, the the waves that they can attack teams in, really, really impressive. They, they have the depth that they have all over the ice, very, very impressive. And for UMD to do what it did in that Friday semifinal and hold that Denver team off the board – but the way that they did it, it's not like Denver had all these glorious scoring chances. Yes, Ryan Fanti was good. He was sharp. But it's not like you know, UMD wasn't giving up odd man rushes left and right, which they had been doing earlier in the year against Denver. They had been giving up odd man rushes and turning pucks over in bad spots. They didn't do that in that Friday game. They took care of the puck. They took care of each other. They took care of their goaltender. And of course, you, you reference, you know, if UMD gets an early lead, it's it's trouble for the adversary. They got the early lead, you know, on the goal by Biondi in the first period, and they made that hold up because they were committed. And, and I thought that it just carried over to Saturday. I, I thought, you know, Western Michigan, same thing. They get, you know, the Dominic James, a great individual play for the, the first goal of the game. And yeah, Fancy had to make a couple of really nice saves. He stopped the war at breakaway early. He made that uh, the highlight reel save on Sasson that he called. He, he said today again was kind of lucky. I don't get lucky. You call it whatever you want. That was one of the best <laughs> right. saves I've seen in 17 years of doing this. So yeah, it was incredible. And yes, he had to do that. But at the same time, they were still very, very good defensively. There were stretch. Western had a stretch of 19 minutes and 45 seconds where it didn't have a single shot on goal. And I'll bet you they didn't attempt more than four or five in that stretch. The Bulldogs defensively were dialed in last weekend. And if they do that, oh boy, look out. But you've got it's easier said than done, obviously. Well, listen, Bruce, uh, um, I try to let people know that, uh, you know, my experience and background in, in following college hockey is it closely is basically tied into ASU jumping into the D1 ranks. So I don't have that deep background that you guys have. But uh, over the course of the last six or seven years, um, I basically have nicknamed, want to change the nickname to the, the Duluth Vampires. Okay, because this team just doesn't die. It doesn't go away. Okay, and they lock you down and... I don't recall over the weekend where forget about stretches without a shot. They also have went. I don't recall the other team getting a second shot or any sort of rebound shots or any sort of second chance opportunities, even on power plays. And, you know, yeah. as somebody who yeah. lived through the heyday quote unquote of the Jacques Lemaire, New Jersey devils, that's exactly what it looks like. And those teams got a lead on you and it, one nothing felt like four nothing. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I kind of I feel that way a little bit about this team. Yeah, a little bit. You know, and I've watched this team like I believe it was two or three years ago they were playing Ohio State in the tournament. And Ohio State was winning one nothing for I guess two thirds of, of of the game. And I'm just like, okay, this, this they're still Duluth is still gonna win because they're gonna find a way to get that goal. And they're not gonna give up anymore. And sure enough, and, and, and I've been watching that same game, especially in the postseason, uh, with Duluth for five years now. And it's just insane. Yeah, um, I would go back, and it's something I'm going to talk to Scott about, I think, before the game tomorrow. <laughs> I, 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 I go back to that 16-17 team. Um, and that was a group that – I want to say they've had nine guys now playing the NHL off that team, something like that. It, it's it's if it's not the most off a single UMV team in the program's history, it's got to be really close. I, I can't I can't think of one that's higher. You're, you know, Toninato, I follow uh, Susie Pionk, uh, Hunter Misko is the goaltender. He's had a, a couple of cracks at the NHL. You know, Carson Kuhlman up front. They, that was a loaded hockey team that lost to Denver in a really good national championship game, but. That was to me that group, that senior group, you know, Susie, Tonavato, Ayafalo, et cetera. That's what laid the groundwork for what we're seeing right now. And, you know, it, it, in, in a lot of different ways, in terms of the culture, and, and, you know, we're not going to accept anything less. And Carson Kuhlman's the one that took the ball the next year when they had all those freshmen and ran with it. He was not going to be denied an opportunity at a national championship after what had happened the year before. And there were times it felt like he was almost dragging these freshmen because they didn't know what to do yet. They weren't ready. They're the Perunovich, Mikey Anderson, Sandberg class, outstanding hockey players. Yep. But they weren't necessarily at the first part of the year ready for that moment. And they got their wake-up call that year in the frozen face-off where they lost two games and they barely made the tournament. And that was uh, that was it. You know, they barely made the tournament. <laughs> yeah. and. And, and look what's happened since. But it, to me, it starts with that 16-17 team laying that groundwork that we're not going to accept anything less than this. And ever since then, what this team has done to me, and, and you consider the single elimination nature of these tournaments, it's nothing short of incredible. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, you have – you're one and done. And, and, and it, you know, just like – it's just a series of game sevens. And it, it always comes down to defense and goaltending. I mean, I'm not creating news here. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, if Duluth gets a lead, they're and, in good shape. <laughs> and so you're sitting there and, and you know, just you just watch. And, and Hunter Shepard was just out of his mind. You didn't ever really see him give up a bad goal. And, you know, it just kind of works its way out from there. Because now you're talking about guys that, okay, we don't have to worry about the soft goal. You know, we just have to make sure he sees the shot. And they force so many teams to play on the outside uh, when they're going right. Uh, I don't think there's anybody better at that. Uh, am, am I missing something? Or, 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 is, or, is, or is that about as accurate as it gets? I think the other thing that, that going back to last weekend – and, you know, even the, 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 the highlight real safe fans made, that is one of the rare moments last weekend. And even going back to the previous weekend at St. Cloud, where they allowed 
something in transition. And that's another sign to me of where this team is right now, because when they're going like they are, they don't give up a whole lot, if anything, in transition. It's just, it's not their game. And if that starts with their neutral zone play and it starts with their puck management, it's everything, guys. It's not like, it's not just one thing. It's not the goaltender. Yeah, the goaltender's dialed in, but it's not just him. Yeah, the defense in front of him does a great job, but it's not just them. It's all these different layers and, and it goes, it starts in the offensive zone and it trickles all the way back. And, you know, Scott talks about, you know, John Cooper, the, the coach of the Lightning, talks about you have to defend yourself into winning. And there's no better example of that in college hockey right now than UMD especially in these one and nuns. And that's, to me, that's the, the mind blowing part about this. You know, something I like to always say, you don't get to pick when you have a bad day, because if you did, they wouldn't be as bad. You have no say into when you're having, and somehow UMV has avoided having a bad day. How many times in these, and nobody else can claim this. The Bulldogs are the only team in the country that in the last six NCAA tournaments has been to at least the regional final. It, 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 to that even to win one game in this tournament is really hard. They've done it every time they've been in this tournament, all the way back to 1983. They've won their first round every single time, and that's that's hard to do. That guys, it, it really is. I, I like it, it's not dumb luck that this is happening. There's all these no. different reasons why, but there's <laughs> but there's not just but it's not just one. It's not just one thing. It's not they're not just getting bounces. They're not just getting hot goaltending. It's everything is working at the right time. Bruce, I, w- I want to ask you two things. Um, number one is I thought uh, Scott Sandlin had a great quote last week, and you probably heard it too, but um, somebody asked him about his team getting better at tournament time, and he said, hey, I told the guys a couple of weeks ago that if we're going to win another national championship, we need to have everybody back in the defensive zone every shift. And then he paused dramatically for a minute, and he said, and it's not negotiable. I thought that was the greatest line and I keep using it over and over again. So I'll let you comment on that in a minute, but I also want to find out, has your heart restarted fully since last year when you uh, played a five overtime game, was it? And I was walking from the uh, Budweiser event center to my hotel because there were no Ubers or Lyfts in Loveland. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) So don't get stuck I'm, outside the building without, <laughs> without a ride. That's a good tip. I appreciate that. Good thing I rented a car. Um, so, well, first off, last year was weird, right? Because I didn't, I didn't go to any road games. I did not travel to a single uh, away game. The only games I saw in person last year were at Amsoil Arena. Uh, so I was not at the Frozen Four. I was not at the regional. It turned into a blessing in disguise when that regional game went five overtimes because <laughs> there would have been all sorts of issues. Oh, I was boy. I had no I had I had barely any canned interviews on my laptop, so I would have had nothing to run during intermissions. Um, I had if where I was at where I was at the radio station, I had unfettered access to a water cooler. I had all my archived interviews. I had a, a vending machine. 20 feet down the hall if I wanted to get a candy bar or something, which I actually did. I think after the third overtime, go get a candy bar um, just to have something. Right. And so that turned into a blessing in disguise to not. And then two, I would have checked out of the hotel in Fargo before the game. And there's no way in hell I could have driven home afterwards. (laughs) I would have had to find another hotel to spend the night in. It would have been a mess. So it turned into a blessing that I wasn't there, but I think that affected some things in terms of just, 
you know, and I noticed that I, I actually noticed it this past weekend. And then when they were at Miami, I didn't go on the trip. I called the games from the radio station there too. So that series and this past weekend, our women's team played for a national championship. And I was, uh, I called the game from my house and I just, it was weird. Like you can see everything, right? But you can't see everything that you're, you're used to seeing. And when you've been doing right. games in an arena all season, and then to go back to that, it felt really weird. And it was hard to get emotionally invested in the game because I wasn't there. Um, I think that affected that five overtime game a little bit too. It's just, it was hard to, to really get into that game, not being there. Um, like I, I, I noticed the, the Saturday game at St. Cloud, the playoff series, that game was overtime. And I actually, I ran down to use the bathroom in, in the, uh, the St. Cloud arena between the overtime, the third period and overtime. I got back upstairs. I'm sitting there for four or five minutes and I look at my Fitbit and my heart's at like 135. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I lost a lot of weight and I've been a lot better shape and it should not, it should not raise my heart rate that much to walk down those stairs and walk back up. So I just surmised that I was really into that game because it was a really good hockey game. I was just, I just figured I was into the game and <laughs> it was one wow. of those nights. That I got to work. I got to work out that night calling a hockey game. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, you, 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 and if you were there that night, you probably would have gotten a workout doing the five overtime game too. So yes, oh for sure. But no, to answer <laughs> your question, you know the 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 non negotiable thing. I remember hearing that after the Denver game. Um, in fact, I think I put it in my blog. I was I went back and grabbed the quote. I like, that's a great quote. Um, I think it says it all. But not just the way that the way Scott respects Denver. But it's the way Scott coaches his team, and you know he he doesn't leave it in the chance. And, and boy, if you go back and watch that game, guess what? They were back. They were connected defensively in that Denver game, and, and hopefully that's what happens here this week. Is they're going to need it again? Well, I I think they're going to need it. Um, obviously, not just uh, for the uh, any game they play, because um, and, and you guys have much more context than I do, um, but. You know, in a lot of years, you see a game and you see a matchup where um, there are clear, clear favorites and deep, deep underdogs. And you don't really have that this year because even AIC, as the Atlantic hockey champion, was flirting with an at-large bid for three quarters of the season. Yeah. And you, you, we joked around when they first came out with the brackets on Sunday night and talked about um, – the Minnesota State bracket there in uh, in in Albany is being this the hockey version of soccer's group of death, but you could almost make that case of any of these brackets this year. This is crazy. I, I, yes, absolutely. I, I think you know the COVID thing with with guys being able to come back, and and you've got some really you know these, some older teams a lot more than maybe you're used to seeing. And you know I don't spend a lot of time looking at how old teams are by average, like AIC is the oldest team in the country. They are that ha they're in the top five. It feels like a lot of years, right. but it feels like this year, the gap between the oldest team and the youngest team is a lot less than usual. Maybe it isn't. It feels like it is like Harvard's. I think the youngest team at like 21 thereabouts, they're right. only two years younger on average than AIC. I, I feel like most years there are more younger teams than what we have this year because of the COVID year. And I, I think that's led to maybe a little more parity. Um, you know, the number of 50-year guys, a lot of talented players, a lot of driven players. 
I think that's led to some more parity. And I think you're going to see that in this tournament. And I don't think any, yeah, nobody is safe. I, I would not, I would not want to be putting any significant amounts of money down on any of these teams to win any of these games, because I don't think any of them are in a position where you can say, well, yeah, that team, boy, I, I think they're a shoe in to move on. That doesn't exist. And even more so this year than, than most years, I think. Right. And, and in this tournament, as, you know, as, as I followed it more and more, and I used to follow it a little bit before ASU got their team because I have a buddy that's an a BU alum and, and so forth and so on. So, you know, but this tournament over the years has gotten closer to quote unquote March madness because you've had a, a straight decade run of, of at least one four winning in the first round every year. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And that's when the, the, the top and the bottom was far more separated than it looks like it is this year. Right. Yeah, I would agree. I, 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 like I said, I wouldn't want to be putting money on anybody and that, that would include Michigan. I, I do, I think Michigan's going to win. Absolutely. Yeah, I think course. Michigan's going to win. I also thought things, uh, St. Cloud state was going to beat AIC in 2019. <laughs> Look how that turned out. Yeah. Well, a lot of people thought that they don't like when yeah. we bring that up, but you know, hey, <laughs> yeah. it happens. Let, let me ask you about tomorrow, one o'clock mountain time, the Bulldogs against Michigan tech and the old WCHA days. That was a battle. Um, it, 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 I know we just talked about parity, but um, what does Michigan Tech have to do to even come close to beating the Bulldogs tomorrow? I, first off, I, I think this is going to be a tight hockey game. Um, Michigan Tech, it, they're not the same stylistically, but they have some pieces that remind me of that Bowling Green team in 2019. And I, I was on record that week. I, was, I told I don't know how many people, UMD could win – the national championship and their hardest game will be Bowling Green. Just looking at the draw all the way through the bracket, I thought Bowling Green stylistically created some real problems for the Bulldogs. And here was Bowling Green with four minutes left in the third period, leading one nothing, and UMV had virtually nothing going offensively. Somehow, someway, Parker McKay ties that game and then wins it for the Bulldogs in overtime. But they did, I still can't believe they won that game. It's been three years. Um, Tech. There are things that remind me of of that Bowling Green team. There are things that concern me, though, if I'm if I'm Tech fans, because it, you know, Joel Sean told me today that, that that there's some things that crept into their game. They had a, a stretch of eight games in 16 days because of a COVID disruption in Northern Michigan in the second half of the season. UMV had a similar stretch. St. Cloud State did as well. And he's not trying to make excuses or anything, but because you don't practice as much or as hard when you're playing all those games, kind of like a pro schedule and, and UMV and St. Cloud know that very well, not just from this year, but from last year in, in the pod in, in Omaha, things are going to creep into your game once in a while. You can see it in the NHL with professionals that things are going to creep into your game. Bad habits are going to form when you're not practicing. And, you know, Michigan tech, if you look at their last eight games, there are some things. There are some things that would concern a Michigan Tech fan, like the fact that they've allowed two goals or more in all but two of those games, and or no, every one of those games. Sorry, every one of those games they've allowed two goals or more, which means if they give up two goals or more tomorrow. I, I'm not a math major. I'm not good with time zones, but that tells me they got to score at least three. And oh, I would say done. good luck. I would say good luck with that against this team. Um, 
I, I think Michigan Tech has to win this game one nothing or two one, or it's going to be very, very, very difficult for them to win this game. Um, and if they give up two goals or more, as they've been doing habitually here as of late, they're going to have a heck of a hard time winning this game, uh, especially if they give up those two goals before they score any goals of their own. Uh, you know, like you said, if if UMB gets up one nothing or two nothing, this is going to be a real problem for Michigan Tech. I just don't think they've got the firepower up and down their lineup to you know, be playing a game of catch up hockey against a team that's as, that's hitting the way it is defensively like UMB is right now. Well, because you can't make any mistakes, right? You, 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 if you know you get down one nothing, you can sit back and play your game and play your game and play your game um, against anybody. But if you get down two nothing to this team, you're not getting three. You're done. No, if you're and if, done, if especially you especially the way they're playing, if you don't get depth scoring, yes, that the the line with Bliss and Hallinan and Peratino is very very good, and Hallinan is a very good player, but. UMB has matchup control in this game, and UMB has, to me, three defensive pairings that they can run against just about anybody, especially two defensive pairings they can run against just about anybody. I I don't like Michigan Tech's chances of winning this game if they don't get depth scoring because I think the top line's going to have a hard time. I, I just do. And that, that goes for just about anybody's top line in a situation where UMB has matchup control. It's a little different when they're the visiting team and the opposing coach has that. Right. But when, when UMB is the home team and they can dictate those matchups, I think it can be a real problem for opposing teams that, that don't have that scoring depth. Yeah, I mean, that's... I want to ask you real quickly, if I can, about uh, I know you got to go too because you got an early morning radio show. But um, yeah, uh, I, I want to ask you about Dominic James because uh, I found him on my uh, all all tournament team ballot last weekend, and uh, I just thought he was incredible. And, and Scott kind of uh, uh, praised him quite frequently uh, when people were talking about the Kobe's and and Noah Cates and all the way down the list. He he kept bringing up that name. Uh, what have you seen from that kid as a freshman this year? Well, first off, he's got speed to burn, um, and he's got some skill to go with that speed. Uh, he's he's gotten better in the faceoff circle. He's gotten better and more responsible defensively. He has he's really I think emerged and improved in his freshman year. And I think that line has you know with with him and, and Olson and beyond, I call him the James Gang. I think they've really <laughs> come into their own here in the postseason. I think they've been very very good. Uh, a little more consistency than, than what they're maybe showing earlier in the year and, and a little more responsibility both in, in all zones. And, you know, these are three competitive guys. And, and I think James, he start, you know, maybe that, that, that goal he scored against Western Michigan on national television kind of reminds people that he's got that skill. He's had that skill set all year, but he's been on a line with a guy that's got, you know, 17 goals. You want to feed him, you know, beyond he's got a great shot. Quinn Olson's got a great shot for a guy that's only got what six, seven goals this season. Um, like to see him use that shot maybe a little bit more, but you know James has played his role really well, and it's, I'm excited to see what he does here in the next couple of years. All right, quick prediction time: uh, UMD, Michigan Tech, <laughs> Denver, and uh, UMass Lowell. Who you got? Be I honest. don't make predictions. <laughs> I know um, you don't. Uh, <laughs> you know. I'll so give here, you a here's question. what I'll say. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll give you a better question. Uh, you have to pick a. A three seed or a four seed to win this thing. If you had to pick one of those three <laughs> or four seeds to win, 
And notice how I, I, I take everybody's loyalties out of this here. Uh, <laughs> Love it. If you had to pick a three seed or a four seed to win this whole thing, which one would it be? A three or four from any region. Any region. Ah, uh, boy, I'd have a really hard time not seeing St. Cloud State. And I know that they didn't okay. play really well down the stretch. Um, they, uh, they, they had some hiccups. And, and maybe the second half, kind of like UMBs, was a little more topsy-turvy than Brett Larson would want it to be. But if you if you want me to pick one, I'm taking the team that that's got just about everyone back from a group that played for a national championship last year. Okay. I, I think I'll roll. I think I'll run with that group. Um, no disrespect to UMass. No disrespect to Notre Dame. I think that they're both very good teams. But I would pick St. Cloud State there. Okay, that's cool. All right, Bruce. Uh, we will see you tomorrow at Loveland. And uh, the the parting shot is: What do you think of Loveland, Colorado? You like the Budweiser Event Center? Yeah, I, you know what? I uh, I would say that this this will be uh, unless something really strange happens tomorrow and or Saturday, um, this will be up there in my list of places I want to go back to. Um, I, I I like the building. It, it the layout's good. Um, it, it's it, the the press box is not the best. You know, the the you know, having the the booth in the corner, but it's fine. Uh, good still, it's still good sight lines on the ice. It, it's a nice little quaint building. I think. You know, with Denver hopefully drawing a crowd, should be a good atmosphere in there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking like buildings that I really enjoy going to. Allentown comes to mind. I thought Penn State's people did a great job there in 2019. Um, let me think. Uh, Fargo is great. Sioux Falls is a great building. But the rest of the Eastern buildings we've been to, it's kind of like, you know, take it or leave it, whatever. Uh, but this one, this one's pretty good, at least so far. And we'll see how it plays for a game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's the ultimate test. So, and I'll tell you this, the, the ice didn't look great. So hopefully it's a little better tomorrow. Yeah. I think it's got to set up a little bit more. So hopefully overnight it'll, uh, it'll chill a little bit. Um, thanks for taking some time. I appreciate it. I have a great broadcast tomorrow and I get some sleep tonight cause you're a mountain time now. <laughs> yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. Appreciate you having me on and I will see no, you tomorrow. All right, Bruce. You coming on, Bruce. Thanks. That is the uh, voice of Bulldog Hockey, Bruce Siski, joining us. We're going to take a quick break. Paul and I will come back and wrap up this special edition of College Hockey Southwest Live. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said It's been running through my head Locked and loaded Alright, still got it Still got it Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing 
We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with Summer Skates. Officially licensed Summer Skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your Summer Skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Live. All right, welcome back in. Indeed, it is College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy with you in uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado tonight. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein on beautiful Long Island, New York. When I say beautiful, Paul, does it count that the winds were 71 mile an hour wind gusts today? Uh, <laughs> does that Iowa count as beautiful? It depends. <laughs> well, I'll tell were you what. It blew my temporary tropical? license off my were car they, yesterday. Were they warm, tropical <laughs> 70 mile an hour winds? No. Or were they, well, then that, I don't know. No, they were blowing out of the north. <laughs> no, then they probably weren't tropical. Bruce got welcomed. He told me today when he opened the door of his rental car, it slammed shut back on him. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it, it, it's crazy. So uh, we thank Bruce for coming on. Yep. Um, got just a few minutes uh, before we go too terribly long, but yeah. just want to get your thoughts on uh, the knowledge of that man uh, well, covering it's, it's, your vampires. Well, it's funny because, you know, the, the things that sometimes uh, will trigger your remembrance of things and and you know and he sat there and talked about um how he loved allentown in 2019 i'm like wait a second wait what wait and so i go back and look and 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 just see in the bracket i'm like that's right that i i remember you know obviously i was there because that's the next game was the asu game and and, and and I just remember, you know, as he said it, and I'm looking at it, and it's triggering. I remember we're all standing around and saying, is this really happening? And is this really happening? You know, is, is Bowling Green really going to win this game? You know, because as he said, it was basically one nothing till about four minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And I'm sitting yeah. and I'm watching, and I'm like, no, somehow, some way – Duluth is going to tie this game and, and win this game because it's just what they do. And you know, this was early on as 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 you know they had only only one really 
they they were the defending champions, and and were they two time at that or just one? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. And I remember we're, we're sitting around because obviously we're waiting for the ASU game, right? And and we're sitting there. And it's like holy smokes, holy, you know, are, really is Bowling Green really gonna do this? Beat the defending national champs? And like that, of course they they tie the game with about four minutes to go and win it in overtime. But um, you know. The, the the I remember the Duluth people in the building that night were like, "Are we really going to lose this game?" <laughs> yeah. and, and you could see it, and 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 the Bowling Green fans that were there were like, "Oh my God, could we actually win?" So it was like loud and quiet at the same time. Yeah, I hear you. Well, it's going to be uh, bringing up memories um, when I pulled into uh, the Budweiser Event Center today. I, went down the road that I hoofed last year at this time. And I was going like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Uh, yeah. I'll just continue to drive because uh, I don't want that. So let's remind everybody tomorrow, uh, 1 PM mountain time, the, uh, the Bulldogs and the Michigan tech Huskies will do battle at 7 PM mountain time tomorrow night. The Denver pioneers, the number one seed against number four seed, UMass Lowell river River Hawks. I don't want to call them the River Cats. River Hawks. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, UMass is definitely playing the uh, the underdog role to the hilt. Uh, we can't, you know, we're, we're going up against number one in their backyard. And once again, let's make this clear. This is not Denver's backyard in proximity only because they have never been in that building Stop it's it. as different. It's as different to them as anywhere in in the country. Um, they're staying in the hotel where everybody oh, is. Never. The embassy suites right across the parking lot. Um, it, it's still. Uh, it, it, it's still. Uh, I mean, maybe if there's fans there, that'll be a bit of a home ice advantage. But come oh, on, this is the NCAA tournament. It. There are no advantages to Stop anyone. It. Stop it! I'm going to say that the next time. Uh... There's a regional somewhere near Grand Forks, and then tell me how there's no <laughs> advantage to, to playing it. Well, well, there was Stop one last it. year. It was played in Fargo, which is 68 <sighs> miles from UND. Yeah, and uh, they got beat by the Bulldogs in five overtimes. So yeah, they didn't so, have much of an advantage. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, they didn't. It's not like there was any green and white in the stands. Well, I'm not saying that they're in the stands. Of course, there's going to be Denver people in the stands. I'm just saying on the ice. The ice is the same for both teams. Yeah. And it wasn't great today. 200 by 85. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, tell me that as you uh, talk about me being 10 feet below sea level. <laughs> anyway. So, so that's the plan for tomorrow. Uh, I know you've given the list rundown a whole bunch, but uh, if you do it one more time, the first round games where and when, if you happen to have that in front of you and then we'll say goodnight. Of course I have it in front of me. I'm not you. <laughs> I wing it. Yeah, well, the first game tomorrow was at uh, noon Eastern time. Uh, Minnesota State and Harvard, followed by uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, your first game there, Duluth and Michigan Tech. And then you go to Thursday at 6 o'clock Eastern, uh, Notre Dame against the uh, Fighting Sioux. 
because you know sometimes I, have to I make love Eddie it. We happy, got right? you saying the fighting I have, Sue. I, love I have it. to make Eddie happy once in a while. I can't, you know, I can't break chops all the time. Um, and then you got the late game there in Denver, uh, nine o'clock Eastern, Denver and Lowell. Um, I'll, I'll be stop it now. It's not Denver. It's Loveland. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's not New York. It's whatever. It's they took a bus length. like everybody else, which is the shorter yeah. bus ride. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like the Meadowlands is eight miles from New York City. Okay. Um, whatever. Yeah, Jesus. Um, then Friday <laughs> at noon, uh, Western Michigan, the one seed in that bracket against Northeastern. The three o'clock game on Friday, uh, the overall number one seed uh, that avoided Western Michigan will play uh, AIC uh, at six o'clock Eastern. It'll be that other maroon and gold team against the defending champ UMass and the late game uh, in uh, Allentown will be uh, Quinnipiac against uh, St. Cloud. And there's your first round tournament. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Then there's a day off for the uh, Thursday teams, and um, the uh, they will play their championships on Saturday. Right. The Friday first-round games will get a day off Saturday, and we'll play their championships, uh, regional championships on Sunday. And Paul and I will be here live on Sunday night to bring it all to you. But we'll also be here all the way through the weekend to give you some updates as to what's going on and keep you informed as to, uh, to what's happening in NCAA no. hockey. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, tomorrow night, I will not be. Yeah, I, I will have to bring you the scores and stuff, so it'll be uh, a... No, I'll get the scores. It'll be a podcast, so... Uh, but there'll be a <laughs> podcast, and, you know, I don't know who you're going to get to fill in for me, because, uh, you know, Bruce has to get up and be I'll just have to keep air. talking. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would advise you to get a, uh, a substitute co-host uh, so people can actually have somebody they want to listen to. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, just like Bruce has to get up to do his radio show a couple of hours earlier, um, I have to get up my normal 4.30 in the morning uh, on Friday. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I, I did well, my listen, job all the way around it, well, morning, yeah, noon, night, and well, drove the 2,500 miles back and forth <laughs> between well, the NCAT frozen face-off. Wah, wah, wah. This Cry is, me a this river. Is, this is what happens when, you know, you get the, the red carpet treatment. and Oh, it wasn't the, red carpet unless it was blood on the and, carpet. You had the chauffeur and, and, and driving you around. So I, I, I get it. You know? Yeah, no, that, um, that definitely is not the case. But uh, uh, some of us, you know. Um, get your beauty sleep. You'll need well, it. I don't think there's enough time for that either. But. <laughs> All right. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, and ask everybody to tune in all weekend long as we bring you the uh, NCAA 2022 uh, hockey tournament, men's hockey tournament. Let's put it that way. Uh, from the Summer Skate Studios, behind the masks, College Hockey Southwest Live on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com Network has been brought to you by Burrito Express. Homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to burritoexpress.com to find the one near you. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. 
Peterson Toyota. Whether you're looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget, we take the time to find the perfect Toyota to fit your needs at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style, available at all Allegiant Stadium events and, of course, at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard. For the NCHC and NCHC.TV, subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Drury and its Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now for travel starting this October at DruryHotels.com. And Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Metro by T-Mobile. Get exclusive offers by becoming part of T-Mobile Tuesdays when you switch to Metro by T-Mobile. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase? Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to TopGolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. And by M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M-Drive formula is for you. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Behind the Mask is College Hockey Southwest Live and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. I do want to remind everybody that the Great West College Hockey Podcast, normally in this time slot, will be back next week. We just needed to do the special show uh, with the big events happening tomorrow in Loveland, Colorado, and around the four regional uh, tournament sites. Right, just like Um, you and Steven did last week with the the YouTube uh, channel. Yeah. uh, Yeah, we did doing these audio. Yep, exactly. And our thanks to uh, the voice of Bulldog Hockey, Bruce Siski. Um, whenever we have a Bulldog on, we should just make them four-hour shows because there's so much to talk about with that quality university and hockey team. Don't we do that every week? <laughs> or just I love it. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. I know you got an early morning call tomorrow to do your radio show, and I will see you at uh, Loveland at the Budweiser Event Center tomorrow for 1 p.m. Mountain Time Faceoff. Once again, that's 1 p.m. for UMD and Michigan Tech, 7 p.m. for Denver and for UMass Lowell. And uh, we'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers De Niro. Good night. Good night, everybody.